This morning, we are wrapping up a series that we've been in for a few weeks called Faithful Presence. And as we talked about in our morning prayer time, this is the season finale, the series finale of Faithful Presence. And we have learned a ton. I have been continually and constantly challenged and provoked and convicted and inspired by the revelation and the truth of the missional heart of God to work through his people to reveal himself to the world and the practices that he has given to his people to help us encounter his presence and to make his presence known. So if you are here today for the first time, we welcome you, but you're getting in on the last message and let me let you know how you can catch up if you're so interested. On our website at antioch.is, you can go back and listen to any of our messages in this series if today's message interests you. You can also pick up a book that we've been walking through called Faithful Presence by David Fitch. Faithful Presence by David Fitch. So today, the last of the seven disciplines is the discipline of kingdom prayer. Say that with me. Say kingdom prayer. And why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. It's a good day, Antioch. It's a good day. And we are carriers of good news. And we serve a good God. And good things are happening. Man, I am speaking to a quiet church this morning. Somebody agree with me on that. Okay, that's good. All right, that's good. Thank you. Last week, I taught you, what was the phrase, Jesse, last week? I know that's right. Or, yeah. And today, this, this day, the phrase is, that's good. Yeah, no, no, not like that. And that's good, okay? You got to kind of like, you got to have to shake your head. And again, you got to just roll it out. That's good, okay? Thank you. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, let's just stop right there. When we talk about kingdom prayer, one of the first things that we need to understand, this is so vital, is that participating in the discipline of kingdom prayer is actually foundational to all of the disciplines of participating with and encountering and manifesting God's presence. The discipline of kingdom prayer is foundational to all of the disciplines. Jonathan said it this morning in our ministry crew meeting, Without participating in an authentic spirit of kingdom prayer, here's what happens. All the other disciplines are just good works. The discipline of coming to the table, the discipline of hosting people at your table is nothing more than a great meal without the discipline of submitting our lives and submitting our hearts and welcoming the presence of God and the kingdom of God into that moment. The discipline of reconciliation is nothing more than a mediation meeting. It's nothing more than a conversation or conflict resolution that we learn in our business programs if we are not inviting the rule and the reign and the presence and the power and the wisdom and the work of God into that moment. And God knows I have been involved in a lot of meetings. I've been involved in a lot of meetings where there's disagreement. And I can tell you, the ones where we submit our hearts, where both parties are submitting our hearts and submitting our will to the wisdom of God and to the desire of God to see reconciliation, powerful things change. 
Miraculous things happen. I've been involved in some meetings where you, you just honestly think there is no way. There is no way these parties are gonna come together. The gridlock is too tight. But when we invite through kingdom prayer, God, we submit our disagreement. We submit our will. We submit our agenda. We submit even our understanding in the situation. And we say, God, let your understanding come into this room. Let it come into the disagreement. You know what happens? Reconciliation happens. The work of God happens. Last week we preached on the discipline of being with children. That's, that's not something that just happens automatically. The discipline of being with children is connected to the discipline of kingdom prayer. That when we are present with children, we are praying, God, let your kingdom break in. When we are present with children, we are praying, God, let your life, let your tenderness Bring a revelation of who you are to the children in my presence with them. Otherwise, we're just babysitting. And we don't want to just be babysitters. In our personal lives with our children, with our own biological children, we don't want to just be babysitters. We don't want to just do things begrudgingly or under obligation. When we're ministering in the schools, some of you, how many, how many, how many of you, your ministry is in the schools? Let me see. Your ministry is in the schools. Hands up real high. Awesome, awesome. Now listen, like any other job, that can just become something that you do for a paycheck. That can be just something that you do because you have to. Or it can become a ministry. And here is the difference maker, kingdom prayer. God, in this space, I am submitting my will in this space, I am submitting these students and these children to you, and I am praying, let your kingdom break into this space. Let the rule and the reign and the presence and the activity of God break into this space in this moment, right now. And he's faithful to do that. He has promised that he will do that. Let's put our eyes back on this verse. So we understand, number one, that the discipline of kingdom prayer is foundational to all of the disciplines. So what is the discipline of kingdom prayer? Look at verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done. The discipline of kingdom prayer is us submitting to the rule and the reign of God. The discipline of kingdom prayer is us inviting the reign and the rule of God into the space that we inhabit. Now, if you miss everything today, I want you just to get one phrase in your heart, one phrase in your mind, one phrase in your notes, and that's very simply this. Submission releases the kingdom. Submission releases the kingdom. Submission releases the kingdom. Submission invites the kingdom. Submission brings the kingdom of God. Now, this is not gonna be a popular message. Because our carnal man does not like the word submission. Our, our generation and previous generations, our society, our culture, the enemy, the spirit of this age, our pride, our spiritual pride does not like the word submission. And that's why submission is the key that invites the kingdom of God because as long as we're holding on to our will, as long as we're holding on to our understanding, as long as we gridlock on our position, God's kingdom can't break into that. He's not gonna steamroll his kingdom over you. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What is implicit in that? What is implicit in that statement is, God, I want your kingdom to come, not my kingdom to come. So after we acknowledge that God is our Father, and after we acknowledge that he wants a genuine relationship with us, and after we acknowledge that he's a good Father and desires to relate to people, not as subjects, but primarily as sons and daughters, and after we acknowledge that his Lordship reigns over all the earth and over all the heavens, then what is foundational to our prayer is to say, God, because you're a good Father, and because you're a good King, Move me into a place where I progressively trust you more and more so that I can relinquish control of my life. What does the word submit mean? <coughs> it very simply means to relinquish control, to surrender my will and to surrender my agenda and to surrender my understanding of how things should be done. Guys, listen, that's Christianity. I said that's Christianity. Now, I don't know what kind of Christianity you guys adopted, but Christianity is not some bargain or transaction that we agree with so that we can get everything that we want. Now, now I'm going to start be, to become real offensive. So go with me over to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself or deny herself, number one. Number two, they must take up their cross. And number three, they must follow me. That's discipleship. Deny myself, take up my cross, and follow you. Deny myself, take up my cross, and follow you. That sounds a lot like kingdom prayer to me. Now let me break this down. Kingdom prayer, kingdom prayer is where we learn the discipline of letting go. Kingdom prayer is where we practice the discipline of laying down our agenda and laying down our understanding and saying, God, what it is that you want, it, that's the greater thing. Now, do we really believe that what God wants is the greater thing? Now, you don't have to answer that. But we have to understand the gospel is always confrontive. The cross is always confrontive, guys. And what does it confront? It confronts our interpretation of what the greater thing is in every situation. It confronts our interpretation of what the best timing of something is. For example, if God operated according to my timetable, things would happen a lot faster. A lot faster. I'd be changed a lot faster. My wife would be changed a lot faster. My children would be changed a lot faster. I would get bonuses and raises and increases and promotions a lot faster. Doors would be open a lot faster. And here's the thing. God, because God loves me, and because I submit to his agenda and his will, he actually protects me by not allowing things to happen sooner than they should. Because if they happen sooner, they could destroy me. 
And God knows that, and I don't know that. I just know that I want this now. I just want it. I just want this now. He gets to interpret not only timing, but when we submit to his agenda, he gets to interpret the how things happen. See, when we submit our agenda to God, we're saying, God, we totally believe in your promises, but we give you the right to interpret what those promises mean. You know, we got we to really get this one, you guys. Because if we're really honest, we interpret the promises of God according to what's best for us. Not according to what those promises actually say. If we're really honest, we interpret the, the promises of God not according to what God is trying to do in the earth, but according to what we want him to do for us. If we're honest, we interpret the promises of God in a very narrow manner. We fail to understand that what God is doing is way bigger than our lives, that he is working a people, and in and through his people, he is working to bring his kingdom to the entire world for generations to come. Now, I belong to that, and I'm a part of that, but in order for me to honestly and to rightly serve that, I've got to lay down my interpretation of what those promises mean. Now, guys, this is confrontive. Because if we're all really, really honest, the way that we heard certain teachings and the way that we heard certain revelations about this basically takes the scriptures and twists them and bends them and manipulates them in order to get exactly what we want, when we want it, how we want it, and how much of we want it all the time. And that's not God, that's witchcraft. That's not faith. Do you know what faith is? Faith is saying, God, I let you determine the what, the when, the how, and the why. I let you determine that, and I submit to that. You need to understand this, you guys, that in your submission is everything that you need. Your submission is the key to the kingdom. It's in your letting go that you can have what it is that God wants for you. Now, we've been taught, or I've been taught, I'll just personalize this, I've grown up, or maybe just in my own twisted, sinful self, I've taught up that the, 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 the more I want something, the harder I gotta hold on to it. If I just beat that promise into the ground a little bit more, then I'm gonna get what I want. Are you guys with me this morning? The key to getting the promises of God is not by us holding on, it's by us letting go. I know, I understand, I understand. Y'all may not shout me down on this one because this is a paradigm rocking message. But the truth of the matter is, just like the rest of the prayer goes, give us this day our daily bread. Jonathan preached a magnificent message on this last year. And here's the key. In order for us to receive our daily bread, we have to let go of our need to control. And if we're really honest, most of us use faith as a form of control. Most of us use the promises as a form of control, to control situations, to control people, to control outcomes, to control resources, to control what happens. That's not Christianity, that is charismatic witchcraft. Christianity is saying, I deny myself, I take up my cross, I die to myself daily, and I follow you. That's what Christianity is. Trusting that every step of the way, wherever you lead me, you will provide exactly what it is that I need. And if you don't provide it in this age, 
I believe that you'll provide it in the age to come because Christianity believes that Jesus will return. And Christianity believes that we were destined for an eschatological age that is into eternity. So I'm at peace because I trust you. I trust that you're able. I trust that you're willing. I trust that you know when. I trust that you know how. I trust that you know how much. That's Christianity, guys. Christianity is not my ability to wrestle God into submission to my will. Christianity is me submitting so that he can wrestle me into his will. That's Christianity. That's what it means to follow Christ. Notice how the rest of the kingdom prayer hinges on this posture of submission. Notice what follows. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, Give us this day our daily bread, my provision, my resources. I trust you. I got a call yesterday about the repair for my car. I was like, holy smokes. I was like, are you kidding me? I said that like the guy's like, he just went silent, stone cold on the phone. I'm like, are you serious? And then immediately I had a choice. Am I going to operate in control? Am I going to operate in anxiety? Am I going to operate in fear? Or am I going to say, God, let your kingdom come and break into this situation? Unexpected news. Let your kingdom come. Give us this day your daily bread. God, I trust. See, here's why submission is the key to the kingdom. Because submission says, God, everything I have, I receive. Everything that I have, I receive. Are you with me this morning? Nothing that we have in the kingdom is something that we take on our own volition. Everything that we have in the kingdom is something that God has given to us out of his goodness, his provision, and his power, and his purpose, and it's something that we receive. That does not make us passive. That does not make us indifferent. That doesn't mean that we just relinquish everything and we just kind of, that doesn't mean that we, we quit. We got to understand there's a difference between surrender and quitting. You understand? Because surrender, there can be an audacity. There can be a resilience. There can be a tenacity in your surrender. Sometimes you have to have some gumption and fight in you to surrender to God. Because we have to understand that holding on to our offense is easier than letting them go in God. It just is. Worrying about something and trying to devise a hundred different strategies on how we're going to make provisions work for ourselves is easier than saying, God, I relinquish my need for control. God, I, I surrender. I choose to trust you. And sometimes we need a supernatural empowerment by God and by the grace of God to trust him. It takes supernatural grace to trust God in the difficult things of our lives. But we've not been taught that message. We've been taught quote more, prophesy more, pray more, do more, and all that is just control. Now, I'm not saying that there's, I'm not saying that there is not a place for standing in faith to what God has revealed after our submission. But we've got things reversed. We've got things reversed. 
Because what we do is we start with our interpretation of the promises. We don't start with God's interpretation, which begins with our submission. So unless you have submitted your understanding of what those promises mean, I really don't want to know or I really don't care about what you're standing for because you might be standing for the wrong thing. You got to say, God, this is what I think this means. This is what I think the outcome should be. Even so, I lay this down and I trust you. I trust you. Now, would you reveal to me what it is that you desire? And once he reveals what he desires, then you hold on to that thing like a bulldog. Then you latch onto that thing and by the grace of God, not just by the spirit of legalism and law and works, but by the power of grace, you hold on to what God has revealed to you. Are we, are we, are we communicating this morning? Are we together on this? And I know this, this might take some time. Guys, remember, I preached on the Lord's Prayer for nine months last year and this is, this is just fresh. This is like, oh, this is probably what you were trying to get through my big thick head last year. But I'm just not, because submission is difficult. Now look with me, if you would, at Philippians chapter four. Let's go to Philippians chapter four, and let's look at verse five. We'll start with verse five. Now, let me give you a little bit of contextual background here. This book was written from a jail cell. This book was written when the apostle Paul was in prison, in chains, And we find that in the first chapters. He talks about the fact that he's in prison when he writes the book of Philippians to the people at Philippi. And and over and above every book that Paul has written, here's the theme of Philippians, rejoice. That's the theme. There's other themes, but this is a word, and here's how you know what the theme is, because that word is repeated multiple times throughout the book of Philippians. So when you see an author utilize a word numerous times, you begin to understand what the purpose that that author was writing for and what God was wanting to communicate to that particular people. Now look right here at verse five. Let your, oh, verse four, I'm sorry, uh, Alyssa. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. That's not a, hey, this might be a really good idea. That's a command. And the word always is there intentional. It means that in every situation, you can rejoice. Now, I'm not talking about being fake. And I'm not saying that there is not such a thing as a very real deal about walking through some difficult, difficult valleys in your life. But here's what I am saying. That there is a spirit of joy that does not look like what we have conjured joy up to look like. This, you may not be jumping up and clapping and dancing and grinning from ear to ear, but in your spirit, because of the kingdom of God breaking in through your submission, you can rejoice that God is Lord and you can rejoice that he has come near and you can rejoice that the spirit of God is at work and you can rejoice that he's in control. You can rejoice in that. I will say it again, rejoice. Sometimes you just have to just tell yourself, self, rejoice. You know what your weapon is against fear and doubt and unbelief and uncertainty and anxiety and worry, all of that? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. God, I'm going to rejoice in you. And you know what rejoicing is? It's a form of submission. 
It's a form of submission, your mind, submitting your mind, your will, your emotions, your physical body, and the circumstances to the lordship of God. It is a form of submission. Because everything in my natural man does not want to rejoice right now. So how am I doing this? I'm doing it by submitting to something that is greater than me. Let's look at the next verse, verse five. Let your gentleness or your earnestness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Now we're gonna get into the good stuff. Verse six, do not be anxious about anything. I just meditated on this verse all week long and it was so difficult because I got a lot of things to be anxious about. And every time I would go to that verse, it's a command, do not be anxious about, and what's the next word? Anything, anything. What about the doctor's report? Anything. What about my struggling sin addiction? Anything. What about the fact that I gotta pay $4,000 to repair my vehicle? Anything. What about my medical bills? Anything. What about my, my, my son or my daughter who's not following Christ right now? Anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Because what is anxiety? Anxiety is saying I'm still trying to figure out how to control the situation myself. I've not let the situation go because once I let the situation go, I don't have to be anxious anymore. I just have to rejoice because God is at work. He's at work. He's at work. He's at work. And yes, there are outcomes that I desire and there are outcomes that I want. There are outcomes that I think should happen. And if God so deemed to put me as the Lord Supreme Commander of the universe, then I would get those desires and those outcomes. But in his sovereignty and probably in his graciousness to all of you, he decided not to make me the Lord Supreme Commander and ruler of all the earth. So I have to submit. I gotta submit and say, God, I trust you. I trust your way, I trust your will. I trust your wisdom, I trust your timing, I trust your power. That is how the kingdom of God comes. Somewhere along the line, let's keep that up there, uh, Alyssa. Somewhere along the line, I had convinced myself that if I prayed louder, the kingdom of God would come. Thanks, Randall. <laughs> Somewhere along the lines, I convinced myself if I was a warrior, the kingdom of God would come. Somewhere along the lines, I convinced myself if I shouted, the kingdom of God would come. If I beat the ground, the kingdom of God would come. If I would fast longer, if I would, if, hey, Memorizing one scripture wasn't enough. I, I had to memorize 10 scriptures. And if I memorize 10 scriptures, then the kingdom of God will come. I think the word that came forward today is so pertinent. It's my joy to give you the kingdom. God's not withholding the kingdom from you, saints. It's his joy to release the kingdom. Now, how do we get it? We don't get it by, by barking in his face. We get it by saying, God, I submit. I submit and I surrender and let your kingdom break into this situation. Let your kingdom break into this space. Let it break into my marriage. Look at Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 is one of the primary passages where Jesus is explaining the nature of the kingdom of God. This is the chapter where Jesus is like, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who goes out and sows his seed. 
The kingdom of God is like, um, is like a man who went out and sowed seed and, and in the evening time an enemy came and he sowed weeds. This is the chapter where Jesus is explaining that the kingdom of God is like a net that brings up all of these different creatures in the sea. The kingdom of God is like a pearl that when a man finds it, he sells everything he has to purchase the field so that he can get the treasure of that pearl. On and on and on it goes. This entire chapter is Jesus explaining the nature of the kingdom. Now here's what's fascinating. I'm gonna try to just bring this point home, land this plane at least temporarily, and then we're gonna pray into all of this and we're gonna allow these seeds to germinate, marinate, and, and grow over the next years. The reason why I'm going to links to help you to understand that in Matthew 13, Jesus goes through several parables to help us understand the nature of the kingdom through multiple angles. So he utilizes different pictures and he utilizes different analogies to help us understand important spiritual principles about the spiritual reality of the kingdom of God. Consistent throughout this chapter is a word. The word is understanding. If you do a little Bible study on your own, go back this week and just meditate on Matthew 13 and circle or highlight or underline every time the word understanding comes up. It's fascinating. Let me just give you a little introduction here. Verse three, then he told them, Matthew 13, three, then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow the seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came, and they ate it up. Now, just push pause, because after he shares this parable, his disciples come and they say, help us to understand the parable. Verse 19, verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not, what does your Bible say? Understand it. Then the evil one comes away and he snatches quickly what was sown in his heart. Now we've preached on this before, but we need to understand that the word understand there has nothing to do with your mental comprehension. Understanding is a posture of your heart. You guys have to get this. Understanding is a posture of submission. You cannot have understanding without submission. You ever got gridlocked in an argument with your spouse? It, it is only resolved when one or both, preferably both, when both parties submit to God and to the other, and once submission, once the spirit of submission is in operation, understanding flows. Some of us have been sitting in this room for years and still have no understanding on the prophetic and apostolic word that has come forward. Do you know why? No submission. It's a submission deal. Listen, guys, it has nothing to do with language. It has nothing to do with big words. If I hear that one more time. If you don't, let, where's, where's my girls at? Jen and Lauren, throw your hands up. Jen and Lauren, where's Jen and Lauren at? They took off. Jen and Lauren came to me probably several months ago and they said, we have a separate notebook 
where we write down all the words that you say that we've never heard of before. I was like, and this is what they said. And I was like, I'm so sorry. They said, no, 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 no. They said, we have grown more in Antioch in the past year than we have going through Bible school our entire lives. And they said, when you say a word that we don't understand, we go and we look it up. You know what that's called? That's called submission. But when you sit back and you fold your arms and you make judgment statements and you fold your arms and you go, oh, they're just trying to show off. You know what that is? That's a lack of submission. That's pride. And that's why you're not growing. That's ugly, guys. That's know-it-all. That's hard-heartedness. That's arrogance. That's ignorance. That's what that is. And your marriage will not grow and your business will not grow and your spiritual personal life will not grow unless you come to a place where you're willing to lay down what it is that you think you know so that God can bring you some understanding. And sometimes understanding will come through vessels. Most of the time, it will come through vessels that you don't like. That's exactly the way that God works. It's the way that God has chosen to do things because God is after more than you understanding concepts. He's after your heart. But here's, you gotta understand this progression. Watch this. Jesus is explaining this. And look with me, if you would, at verse 11. So the disciples come and they say, we don't understand this parable. Can you help us understand this parable? So in verse 11, Jesus replies, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom has been given to you. Given to you. Given. The knowledge of the secrets have been given to you. They've been given to you. Given to you. Which means that in order for us to apprehend them, we must receive them. Which requires a spirit of submission. Because discipleship is relational in nature. Discipleship is, y'all are gonna get that right now, we'll break that down in the future, but you need to understand that you cannot grow spiritually just by yourself because discipleship is relational in nature. Because God's after something inside of you in order to get that, he's gonna use people, broken, flawed vessels that you have to submit to. Why is it that when Jesus, the king, the king, the Messiah, the Son of God, when he comes and he's about to start his ministry, what's the first thing that he does? He goes to a man, a crazy, burly-haired man who's eating locusts and wild honey, hanging out in the desert, wearing clothes that are not cool. Why? Did, and then he says, listen, John, you gotta baptize me. Baptism is a, is, is, it is a sign of absolute surrender and submission. I mean, if, if that joker's got any ill motive, you're done. <laughs> Submission is an act of utter trust. And so Jesus goes under the water, and here's what John says. John knows. John knows who Jesus is, and he says, Jesus, Jesus, cuz, yo, cuz, come on. Don't do this, man. Dude, you're the one. And here's what Jesus says. It is appropriate this is fitting for righteousness' sake. Read it, Matthew chapter 13. You'll read verses 15 through 17. Matthew, Matthew chapter three, 15 through 17. John says, listen, this is the right thing to do. This is, Jesus says, this is appropriate. What is he doing? He is showing that the kingdom of God only comes by submission. And John was the delegated authority of the kingdom in the earth for that season. 
Did you hear what I just said? John was the delegated authority. Why did he not go to the Pharisees? Because they were not the delegated authority. They were a man-made authority. They were not the authority that God had chosen. Why did God go through all of these, these crazy shenanigans in order to set up John as a delegated authority? Why is that? Conceived late in life by his mom, Elizabeth. Couldn't, couldn't birth a child for years. What did that produce? It produced an intensity. It produced a desperation. And then all of a sudden in their latter years, we see that John is being birthed by Elizabeth and we see that the father is not able to speak over his life. Why is that? Why all the hoops? Because God said, he must be my constituted, delegated prophetic authority in the earth because he is going to help bring the kingdom of God when my son comes and submits to it. So I can't have his earthly father operating under an old structure, speaking negativity over his life. He's not gonna belong to the old man-made structure. He's gonna belong to a new structure. He's gonna belong to a new wineskin because there's a new authority I've gotta put on his life so that my son can submit to it. Jesus didn't come over here busting doors down. He said, I need to find, where's the authority at? Where's the authority at? Now listen, I know authority's been abused. I know authority's been misused, but that does not negate the spiritual principle that God institutes in the earth. He always works through authority. And if you're flying rogue and you're operating off your own authority, you and God, it's not legal. I'm sorry, it's not. Jesus found where the authority was and he says, I'm gonna go under the water and you're gonna hold me down there. And then I'm gonna come up. And then he was validated. He was validated for his assignment. So then, Matthew chapter 13, verse 12, whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. This is all submission talk, y'all. Whoever has, whoever understands that what he has been given has been given by the authority of God, does not hold on to it, does not use it for his own gain, does not use it for her own purposes, but, on, but yields that back to the Father. He says, whatever you have, you'll be given more because of the spirit of submission that you operate in. And that submission releases understanding, but there's a couple of steps that are before that. Look at verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Gosh, I gotta, I gotta come home. Number one, submission releases revelation. Submission, have you ever heard that statement, you don't know what you don't know? You, know, you don't know what you don't know. So some of us are continuing to perpetually destroy our lives because we just don't know what we don't know. But if I don't know what I don't know, how do I get to the place where I can know what I need to know? Submission. Kingdom of God. God, I submit. I submit. Guys, you know, I'm going back to school. Do you know why I'm going back to school after eight years and two degrees? Because I don't know what I don't know. And so I'm submitting. I'm submitting. I'm submitting to a process. I'm submitting. Because the more that you truly understand, watch this, the more that you truly understand, the more that you realize you don't know. The mark of a truly submitted person is they'll be humble and they'll be teachable. They won't be loud mouthed, they won't be opinionated, they won't have an answer for every question. 
They won't operate in the sin of certainty. They'll say, you know what? This belongs to the mystery of God and I don't know, but my heart is submitted and if I press in long enough, he'll bring me understanding. One of the greatest sins of our day is the sin of certainty. We'll talk about that later. So submission brings revelation. If I don't submit to this woman, when there's things that I'm doing to jack this relationship up and she tries to bring them to my attention, guess what? I won't see them. If I posture myself as, woman, all these stupid, goofy ideologies that keep me from submitting to my wife, watch this, when she brings things to my attention that will safeguard me, that will protect me, that will help me, that will support me, that will strengthen our relationships, I won't see them because I'm not submitted. So submission brings revelation. Number two, number, th- number two, Submission gives you ears to hear. Look right here. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Submission will bring you understanding. Submission will bring you understanding. Submission will bring you understanding. Submission will bring you you revelation and revelation will lead you to understanding. Here's the thing. Most of us stop with some form of revelation. And then we twist the revelation to work for our own means. But if we would go a little bit further, that revelation will bring us to understanding. Now watch this. Understanding will lead you to agreement. You can't really agree with someone if you don't got a measure of understanding. Are you with me? Let me just break this down. We'll just use the marriage analogy. It's working so far. So the spirit of submission will bring me revelation of something that Christy brings my way. And if I sit in that yoke long enough, I'll get understanding. Oh, I get it. I get it. I understand. But even with understanding, I got to move my understanding to agreement. You have to move your understanding to agreement. That's where the power is released. Philippians chapter two, let's go here, then we'll, we'll, we'll lock it down, we'll close it out. Sometimes you guys need to understand that when you sit under a certain anointing or sit under a certain mantle, that sometimes it's not all about you catching something and getting everything right in that moment. Sometimes you need to understand that I'm battling things that you don't even see right now. That's why this has to be a mutually submitted symbiotic relationship because we empower one another to deal with strongholds and principalities and powers that have held up regions and held up churches, locked up, you guys. So part of me, part of me, I'm moved beyond, I don't need y'all agreement no more. Y'all may not be shouting me down, it's okay. It's okay, listen, here's what I'm saying. We're dealing with something that's over a region. We're dealing with an independent, proud, unsubmitted, divisive, isolated spirit that has ruled and rocked this region for generations. How do we deal with that? We gotta come in the opposite spirit. We gotta submit so that we can get revelation, so that we can walk understanding, so that we can get into agreement. Philippians chapter two, verse one. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete by being like-minded. Get in agreement and fight in the spirit of submission. 
until you have revelation. Revelation may not come immediately. Stay submitted till there's revelation. Stay in the revelation till there's understanding. Work through the understanding till you get like-minded. Having the same love, watch this, being one in spirit and in purpose. You wanna know why the kingdom of God is not coming in your life? Because you're more committed to your kingdom than his. You're more committed and you're more submitted to your kingdom and to your will and to your agenda and to your plan and to your interpretation than you are to God's kingdom. That's flat out the truth, Jack. That's it. That's it. It's not because you don't have enough faith. It's because you don't have enough submission. Now, we'll just, hey, we'll let the Holy Spirit do his work here. Just let him work that in us, guys. But this is how we become a people that operate in the power of God. This is how we become a people who operate in the supernatural. It's by not controlling the supernatural. Don't get me wrong. I want the miraculous power gifts of God to come, but I want them to come as God wants them to come. Watch this. Verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition. What is that? If I'm to do nothing out of selfish ambition, I'm to do everything out of wholehearted submission. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do everything out of wholehearted submission. And then the kingdom of God breaks in. The kingdom of God breaks in. The first part of our prayer should be this, guys. The first part of your prayer. Lord, today I come and I submit my agenda to yours. I submit my will. I submit it all to yours. Lord, would you speak so that I can see how you are at work? Some people can't have eyes to see how God has been at work in Antioch. God has been at work big time, overtime. He's been, he's been working overtime. He has been. And if you're sitting back folding your arms and criticizing it, it's because you don't have a submitted spirit. I'm telling you. If you can't see that God's at work, it's because you don't have eyes to see or a spirit to understand because that takes submission. And I'm not talking submission to me, although that is a part of it. I'm talking about submission first and foremost to God. Because if you are wholeheartedly submitted to God, watch this, part of the fruit of your submission to God is God will always bring a person in the flesh for you to submit your life to. Don't miss that one. The fruit of your submission to God is always found in an incarnate person. He will bring a person or a people. That's why the church is so powerful. Because God brings, he constitutes a people for us to be mutually submitted one to another and mutually submitted to God and then his power will flow through us. Guys, let's stand to our feet this morning. I wish I had about eight more hours just to preach all that junk. I redeemed that word, Sue. It's, yeah, I redeemed that word. Junk is a good thing now. <laughs> Do you know why we come to the table of the Lord? Because we participate in the spirit of submission. And we submit to what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ. We submit, let's have our, let's have our, uh, our, our table ministers come on forward this morning. We submit to what God has done, what God has perfected, what God has completed. We submit to that, we say yes, we submit to his Lordship. Number two, we submit to his present encounter. 
that God is present. He is present today. And when we come to the table, we say, God, we submit to your present encounter. But number three, we say, we submit to your kingdom that is coming. We submit to the fullness of your kingdom when you will make all things right. Guys, listen, there's coming a day when he's gonna make it all right. He's gonna right every wrong. He's gonna restore all brokenness. It's not over. It is not finished. Life goes beyond the tangible physical world that we live in and the breath of life that we occupy. We say, God, we submit to the full reign of your kingdom. So Father, today we pray that there would be a spirit of submission in this house. That we would submit, oh God, wholeheartedly to you. Just as an act of submission, would we just take our hands with hands open wide, lift it up to God. God, we submit to you. My disappointments, my failures, I submit to you. My offenses. God, I can't even get to the kingdom prayer that says, forgive me of my sin as I forgive those unless I submit. God, I submit my offenses. Those that have harmed me, hurt me, bruised me, betrayed me, I submit to you, God. They do not belong to me. I do not have the authority to imprison them. I do not have the authority to imprison them. I I release them back unto your care. I trust you with them. I trust them to you. God, I submit my finances, my physical health, my physical man. God, I submit this people, we as a people, I submit Antioch Church to you. And in submission, oh God, your kingdom breaks in and I pray that your kingdom would break into the space. Lord, the close circle that we occupy weekly. But God, I pray that your kingdom would break in on businesses, high school, college campuses, neighborhoods, parks. God, through our submission, through submitting our will and agenda, through submitting our lives, through submitting our vocations, through submitting these things to you, God, we pray that your kingdom would break in. God, that healing would touch the people in our streets, that deliverance, that revelation, that love, that comfort. Let these things flow. Let the kingdom of God flow through our lives. God, as we come to the table, we pray, Father, that you would drill down and drive down deep the work of your spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name, guys, let's come to the table of the Lord.